This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome back to the WOMED, my dear ones. This week, I've got the hilarious IG real queen and boundary-busting orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Pamela Mehta. I cannot begin to describe how badass she is. Orthopedics being a predominantly male-dominated field, I loved getting to speak with Dr. Mehta about her work and starting her own practice. Seriously, such a badass. So get your saws and your bone hammers. I'm not really sure if a bone hammer is a thing. Could be, but grab one and listen up. This week's Nurse the Energy Moment comes to us from Sarah. Sarah writes in, I started out as someone who loves healthcare, but was working in the arts for a small nonprofit. I loved my job and the arts, but I just finally quit my job to pursue my dream goal of becoming a nurse. The WOMED has brought so many inspiring women to speak and listening each week really gave me the courage to go after my goals. Sarah, I loved reading your message and I can't wait to welcome you to the nursing profession. Remember to keep sending in your NDE moments because I love reading them and I love sharing them with everyone. So many people have written in saying that they were inspired by other people's stories and that's just what NDE is all about. All right. Well, everyone, welcome back to the WOMED. I'm so happy today. I'm speaking with Dr. Pamela Mehta, and she actually reached out to me. um, Oh, my God. It's probably almost been like a year now, like right when we first started it. And I'm just kind of an airhead sometimes when it comes to Instagram and like figuring things out. But (laughs) Pam, thank you so, so much. I'm so glad that we finally made this happen. No, and I um, applaud you guys because when you guys started, I was like, oh, how kick-ass is this? Like, thank you. you have two really strong women in healthcare that have the a control and opportunity and resources to interview other women that can share their stories also. I mean, I just, I feel like it, it's just, it is really hard to understand what women go through. I mean, even, I'll mm-hmm. give you a very tiny example. The other day, so I own a quarter of my building with two other orthopedic men okay. and they're trying to find a renter. And he, th- when the other two guys came to me and said, Oh, this guy wants to talk to you. Um, mm-hmm. we're going to, he's going to rent. I was like, Oh, great. I'm an owner in the building. And he writes me a text and he goes, so yeah, I really like your office and exam rooms. So how do you feel about me taking that? And you can move over to the rental area. No. Yes. And I was sitting there, I was at dinner with my husband and I, like my eyes just got wide open. And my husband was like, and my husband who's ortho too, I, he goes, what's wrong? And I'm like, I just, what is wrong with you people? And he's like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean us people? And I'm like, in what world would some renter ask another male owner of the building if he could just switch? And in the way that he did it, I was like, that's not okay. So I wrote him immediately. I was like, yeah, I won't, I'm like, yeah, I won't be switching my area in the building that I own, but we can definitely chat on the phone tomorrow if you'd like. But I was like, I, I just, I get really, sometimes I feel like I almost overcompensate and get kind of bitchy and sarcastic because mm-hmm. I just am like, what is wrong with people? Like, why, why do you think that that is okay? And oh I always God. try to think, I'm like, if it was a guy talking to a guy, like, would, would they do that? I don't think that they would. No, they definitely wouldn't. <laughs> no. 
And it's because I, you're I mean, a woman. I'm talked, I'm, I, if I really think about it, I am talked down to all day, every day, like in the OR everywhere. And I just kind of like a lot of times let these things brush off, but sometimes I'm just like, no, it's not okay. That, that's not okay. Oh my God. How did yeah. the rest, have you talked to this man since? So he's just, no, I have, I was so like fired up. I just was like, I'll call you in a day or two. I just, it's been, um, that's the other thing. Things have been super hectic because the, the two kids, I have a six, I have a three kids. My six mm-hmm. and five-year-old are doing distance learning and my one-year-old, obviously she's not doing anything, but I had to shift my entire schedule because I own my practice to mm-hmm. like seeing patients from 3.30 to 7 p.m. And so I'm with the kids from 8.30 until three doing all mm-hmm. their distance learning. So right now I'm just like, I don't think that I'm going to have a proper conversation with anybody that I'm in confrontation with because I'm so like on edge about my schedule. Like I've never, I always like, I started my private practice so that I could work like, you know, like nine to three or eight to Mm -hmm. whatever. And now I've like totally taken it and put it in the evenings, which is not something I want to (laughs) do. It is what it is. I mean, that's my whole goal here. I just want to, I want every woman to see, like see themselves and be hurt. And I just think that's just so important right now. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Especially now. Yeah. Well, Pam, you are an orthopedic surgeon. Yes. And I just found out that you own your practice or own part I, of it. I own my practice. I own a portion mm-hmm. of my building, but my portion practice of the is completely mine. Yes. That's incredible. I feel like that's just so unheard of, especially in ortho, which is predominantly men. Yes. Um, women right now are only 6% of orthopedic surgeons in the country and the minority women are only 4%. So that number obviously drops down, but that number interestingly is larger. And I can't remember the last percentage, but I think it might've been around 18% in training. So I think, oh, cool. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. That's amazing. That speaks volumes to all the program directors and chairmen around the country. I just I fear that what is happening to those women, where are they going once they train? Is Mm -hmm. the problem that the workforce is so male concentrated and dominated that women don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. in it? Or is it that, you know, women go off to get married, have children, whatever it is they do in their personal life, and they can't balance work with that? Mm -hmm. I have not really looked into it, but it's something I'm really interested in because I'd really like to know where all these women that were recruiting for ortho residency, where they're going afterwards, because I find that to be worrisome that that number drops. Yeah. I just feel like it's, it's such a boys club, like our like I would, I would really, and I, I love men, but I would really be devastated <laughs> if men were sitting here trying to like, you know, push women out of this, yes. out of this field, you know? Well, it's an, it's interesting because unfortunately I have, I have great colleagues. I like a lot of them. Um, and I respect them. A lot of them. A not lot all of them. them. Not all of them. <laughs> De- definitely not all of them, but I do like a lot of them, but it is mm-hmm. still a field that men, a lot of men, not all of them. Um, I was telling you, my husband's an orthopedic surgeon too. Um, so he's obviously very comfortable with it, but a lot of these men are not comfortable with a woman doing quote unquote, their work, heavy Mm -hmm. work, like what's considered the carpentry of medicine. And Mm -hmm. they're also, they're also quite frankly, intimidated by women that are making as much as they are. They don't like it. And I had that experience firsthand in my first couple jobs out of residency. And so I do think that that is 
part of the problem of why more women are not um, in orthopedics practicing after residency because who wants to feel uncomfortable all the time in their workplace? I mean, no, it's a toxic that. environment. Exactly. Well, that's just really disappointing. <laughs> it is. It is really disappointing. And it also just, I, I'm just so surprised that in 2020, there is still this underlying bias or mm-hmm. passive aggressive kind of comments that are made in the workplace um, mm-hmm. just because you're a woman. I mean, I don't understand yeah. that. I mean, 50% of med school classes now are women. So you would think that that a good portion of that 50% would translate into the surgical specialties and it's just not Mm -hmm. happening. What do you think can be done to try and increase like recruitment into these like surgical specialties? Well, I think mentorship helps. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to age myself here, but I will. But when I was going through all this, I there was no social media. I think it was like mm-hmm. Friendster and MySpace, and so <laughs> and it's so okay, there girl. Were, yeah, exactly. and so there was no mentorship that I could see outside of the institution I was at. And mm-hmm. I trained at Columbia for my orthopedic surgical residency, and we didn't have one female attending, not even one. So there was no way for me to see somebody that was five, 10, 15 years out of practice, see how their life looked. Were they able mm-hmm. to balance having a family and be like a full-time surgeon? Mm-hmm. Um, how did they handle issues of microaggression or all out sexual discrimination and harassment? I mean, there was just nothing. I couldn't, I, I couldn't see it. I just kept plowing through, kept studying, kept, you know, working hard. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people that must be tough to not have anybody that they can relate to. And so yeah. that's why it's so important to recruit all minorities in medicine because mm-hmm. you know it, it patients want to see people that look like them mm-hmm. and that's actually proven and then yeah. other other physicians and nurses and everyone in healthcare also want to have colleagues that look like them feel the same way they do that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what what I'm trying to get at is social media has actually, in my opinion, done wonders for this problem, um, for recruiting yeah. women into fields that they wouldn't otherwise go into, because I think at least then you have a role model that may not be at your institution, but that mm-hmm. you're seeing, you know, across the country that's, you know, kicking ass in what they're doing or giving tips out on how they're able to achieve it. And I think, I think that's been, that's been great, which is something unexpected. I started my social yeah. media platform to try and, um, to boost, you know, patients to my practice. And that's not Mm -hmm. what it did at all. Instead, I was having women all over the country and overseas that would text me and, or DM me and say, um, you know, wow, you're a surgeon and you have kids. How are you able to do that? Or how were you able to do orthopedics? And, and then it kind of just took, it's kind of took a different form at that point, but I am, I'm happy for that because I think that if they can't see you, how can they be you? I mean, I know, right. You know, right. How can it happen? Mm-hmm. Where did that drive come from then through medical school? Like if you didn't have like any sort of like mentor or person, you know, that was doing what you were doing to look up to, like, where, where did that come from for you? I think that it came from, I have immigrant parents. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that they worked really hard. They're middle-class. So they had to work for every dollar that they made. So they were at work late and I had to take care of my little brother oftentimes after school. And so just seeing them work really hard, I think is what instilled the work ethic. Mm -hmm. And then my mom always was in corporate, corporate positions, a pretty high level. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's all of 
five foot one and, <laughs> um, you know, has a very thick Indian accent. And she was mm-hmm. able to achieve so much with that stature and just kind of with a lot of odds against her. And I think seeing mm-hmm. that made me realize in medical school, like, oh, I can do a field that is not traditionally a female um, dominant field and it'll be mm-hmm. okay. And I can stand up for myself and I can have a thick skin. And so I think that that helped me kind of be like, okay, I'm not going to be nervous about going into this field that doesn't have a lot of females in it. And I, I feel like when you are, thank you. I feel like when you are in academics, you are protected. There's a lot of rules and, and I think Mm -hmm. they're all trying to do the right thing. So nothing is overt, like any of the passive aggressive behavior or sexual discrimination or harassment. And people do get in trouble if they do that kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. the problem is when you go out into the real world, when I was interviewing for large group practices, people were saying all kinds of crap to me that is completely illegal. I mean, I got asked in my interviews, so how long do you plan on working before you know you have children? And I got told, oh, the department's really worried that you're going to get pregnant and leave in my interview. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane if you think about it, but at the time it felt so normal to me. I was like, Oh, I have to prove myself to them. Yeah. Um, you know, I just have to work hard and then, you know, they won't, they won't be upset if I get pregnant and have mm-hmm. to take maternity leave, which is the wrong way to think of things. In yeah. Fact, when I, really they should have it, they should have a maternity program set up. Like it just shows that how unprepared that they are and not welcoming of having a woman in their practice. Oh yeah, no, we're considered a liability in the workforce. And that's the big problem. And that's not just in orthopedics, that's in a lot of fields. And so Mm -hmm. I really hope in my lifetime and my daughter's lifetime that that kind of mentality goes away because that is not okay. We are a very important part of the workforce. Mm -hmm. And just because we're the people that bear the children and oftentimes become the default parent for our kids when it comes mm-hmm. to them being in grade school and whatever. And right now, this whole thing with distance learning, mm-hmm. that does not mean that we don't have an important place in the workforce. Right. Right. Or that, I mean, like, even with paternity leave, <laughs> does, does paternity leave even happen in medicine with doctors? It's definitely, so I'm in the Silicon Valley, I'm in San Jose, mm-hmm. and you hear about, you know, Google, Facebook, all these Twitter, all these big companies, they have mm-hmm. like really good maternity and paternity leave. Oh yeah. Medicine, Google pay for you to freeze your eggs. I'm oh like, yeah, exactly. Can I work it's for Google? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, can I become a doctor there? I'll do whatever you want. I don't need to be a doctor. I'll just, you know, <laughs> but, um, it, in medicine, we're still really backwards. I think it's, it's, we still have this mentality of like, if you take a sick day, you're mm-hmm. not strong or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So even my husband, they they told him that he had a maternity leave, but no one really ex- expanded on it. Nobody expected that he would take it. I mean, it, huh. it is odd. It's, it's yeah. In medicine, we think of it as like a badge of courage or like an armor that we're so strong and we don't need mm-hmm. to take sick leave and things like paternity leave and paternity leave. Yeah, because we're supposed to be taking care of everybody else. Like not ourselves, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Too many problems to fix. So little I time. <laughs> I, you're, you're doing it though. One uh, podcast at a time. Girl, you are too. Well, it's that time of year again where I need to get back in a normal-ish routine. But whether I feel like having a relaxing day or I got a lot to get done, I love to include clean, delicious food in my routine. And that's why I always keep my freezer stocked with Daily Harvest. Their smoothies are so dang good, y'all. 
Daily Harvest makes it so easy to try different fruits that you might not have access to. All the smoothies come pre-portioned. All you have to do is add your favorite milk or water, blend it up, and go. Daily Harvest is such a clean company. They never use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial ingredients. They work directly with farms to freeze their ingredients at peak ripeness to lock in nutrients and taste. They also have options for any time of day. Of course, you got your smoothies, but they also have crispy flatbreads, delicious soups, and my personal favorite, plant-based creamy ice creams, because your girl tends to break out with dairy. They are also committed to minimizing their environmental impact and are in the process of transitioning to 100% recyclable, plant-based, and renewable fiber packaging. Whether you're doing a home workout, going on a bike ride, or a hike, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to eat undeniably delicious, clean food. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code WOMED to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code WOMED for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Again, that's dailyharvest.com. You're you're trailblazing, I feel like, in the field of orthopedics. How did you land in orthopedics? Like, what was that moment when you were like, oh my God, yeah, I want to fucking take these hammers and hammer and knee replacements and shit. Like, (laughs) Um, It's funny, when I started my like third year rotations in medical school, I put all my surgical rotations first because I was like, there is no way I'm going into this. I just want to get this done. Mm -hmm. And my first rotation was trauma at USC County Hospital in LA. Oh, wow. Like total, total knife and gun club, right? And yeah. So, yeah. Um, I remember going into the trauma bay and someone came in with multiple gunshots to their abdomen, which is really obviously sad for him and the situation. But I was mm-hmm. so excited. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get to the, go to the OR. We're going to open this guy up. And like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be like in his guts. And yeah. um, I think that first trip to the OR like sealed it for me. I was like, I have to be in an operating room. This is awesome. You get to fix people. That's and amazing. so- yeah, it, it, it I, I do think you are either like a surgery person or you're not. And I think mm-hmm. in that moment, I realized I was a surgery person. And then after that, it just became about what kind of lifestyle I saw myself having. Like I get really affected by my patients. And so I didn't want really sick patients actually, because mm-hmm. I couldn't see myself leaving that at work and at the door. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I kind of wanted patients that were fairly healthy and and active people. I've always been an active person myself and wanted to get back to their active lifestyle. And if there was a way that I could help them do that and orthopedic mm-hmm. kind of, orthopedics kind of fixed, um, fixed all, sorry, kind of fell into all of those categories. And then ortho has just really cool procedures. I mean, we do big, you know, knee and hip replacement surgeries and big mm-hmm. fractures and then, you know, small hand microvascular surgery. And so there's a lot of options there. Oh, wild. I feel like, yeah, when I think about orthopedics, I, I only really think about, you know, hips and knees. Like I, I didn't think about, you know, I mean, I guess my dad's had like a lot of like wrist issues and had um, a couple of bones removed in his wrists and now is having, I think they're going to fuse them. Because- they're, yeah. They're probably going to fuse his wrist. Yeah. 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 So that's all orthopedics. That's wild. Yeah. I don't know why I just completely assumed you were just, you know, banging in new knees. 
Well, I enjoy doing the knees and hip replacements and shoulder replacements. So I probably am banging in more knees than using wrists, but yeah, um, yeah, we cover, you know, all the extremities in the body, which is, is kind of nice. That's so cool. Yeah. So which is your favorite to do? Um, I like the knee and I like mm-hmm. the shoulder a lot. Um, Ooh, and yeah. I trained at Columbia. We did a lot of shoulders there. So I think mm-hmm. that I have I have that kind of extra training a little bit. So I do like that a lot. Um, now I'm in, so, so the way I got into private practice for myself is Mm -hmm. actually some of these issues we've talked about. Um, I essentially was pushed out of my job after having my second baby because I really, I, cause I quote unquote took a second summer vacation. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So it's a very, my vagina had a great vacation. Totally. And so did my breasts while the babies were hanging off of them. My Uh 15th, my 15 month old and my newborn. Yeah. It's a very long, complex story, but the end Mm -hmm. result was, is that I didn't feel like I could work at a place where I wasn't being supported anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I got out. And, um, at that point I had worked, I worked a little bit in some private practice settings. And finally I just decided I want to work for myself. I I don't want to deal with this BS anymore. I'm kind of sick of it. And at this point, my kids were a little bit older and I was thinking about having a third child. And I was like, I want complete flexibility. I want to be able Mm -hmm. to design the life that I want. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to start OR at 10 AM instead of 7 AM. So I can take my kids to school. And I just, you know, it's been harder in a lot of ways because I'm managing a business, but Mm -hmm. in so many ways it's easier because I call the shots. I make the schedule that I want. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that I have you know, I had a really strong foundation surgically that I was able to feel comfortable and confident in, in going out completely on my own. So, um, when we were talking about what you do to recruit more women, I mean, Mm -hmm. I actually, I mean, I've, I've mentioned a few things, but overall I have no idea because I had a pretty bad experience and then I just decided to F it and start my own practice completely. So that worries me too, because I think, again, you don't see those women, you need to see women in positions of leadership at the hospital and positions mm-hmm. of leadership in academics. Yes. You, know, they, you need to see women with the seat at the table. They're making the decisions that are happening for the rest of the people at the hospital. Yeah, truly, truly. I mean, we enough of, <laughs> I want to be like enough of like racist white men <laughs> in all of these <laughs> positions. Even some of the, um, women uh in powerful like seats are positions mm -hmm. yeah I mean I hate to say it but some women are their worst enemy I feel like they're not really advocating for their um for their own kind of like their own benefits they Mm -hmm. are basically advocating for things that are not going to benefit them Mm -hmm. and it's it's coming from that whole paternalistic attitude um and just years of it but it's hard. It's very hard because I think as women, if we came together, we advocated for ourselves, we would have a stronger position. 100%. And, uh, and I've, I've said this before on the podcast, I feel like a lot of women are scared that if they lift up other women, they're going to lose their seat. And that's just not the case. It is so terrible. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you. And you know, even on social media, I'm sure you've experienced this. Things can get a little catty and competitive. Mm-hmm. And I think if you just change your mindset completely and just, you know, this is my tribe. This is the mm-hmm. people around me trying to achieve the same goal as me. And if we do it together, we're going to get further. Mm-hmm. I think that 
that could really help. And I know that's easier, easier said than done, but Mm -hmm. I I know for myself that I've tried to do that. And also I think as, you know, as women, we're also, we multitask a lot. And if you're, if you're, if you're a mom, you're definitely multitasking. So for me, I'm kind of like, I don't have time to do this all on my own. I need a team of people. Like we need to have a team of people to further, you know, our position. And so let's all do it together. Yeah. I definitely had to change my mindset around, I was definitely had like a hypocrite moment. There were like some other people who were, you know, creating podcasts and stuff and and other like medical podcasts and, you know, wanting me to come on or, you know, and, and talking about like similar things that I'm doing. But then I'm like, and I'm like, oh, but like you're copying me. But then I'm like, Okay, you're literally trying to create a space where women empower women and you are not empowering these other uh, women. Women. See? Check yourself right now. And I was like, oh, it was such like this like, aha, like, oh shit moment. And I was like, no, no. If you're going to be true to yourself, you're going to be true to these other women. And. But how good that you caught yourself and you checked yourself. I think that's so important to realize. I mean, that's huge. Good for you. We, we all, we've all done it. We've all been, Absolutely. we've all felt threatened, you know, but it's like when you feel those moments of a threat, you really have to ask yourself and be like, wait, why am I feeling so threatened? It's not because this other woman wants to, you know, better herself or explore this new avenue. It's because women have you feel like you're gonna lose um, and you feel like yeah. you're gonna lose something right yeah mm-hmm. which actually kind of goes into what we were talking about of some of the racial injustices is it mm-hmm. is, is the same problem is that other people have equal rights and you kind of not you the no. you yeah yeah of course yeah. the you mm-hmm. feels like something's getting taken away from them and that's just mm-hmm. not that's just not how it works and I, I right I feel like the sooner we all come to realize that the more harmonious things can be <laughs> Especially in the world we're living in right now. Oh God, I hope so. I really <laughs> hope so. <laughs> There's yeah. this whole struggle too of like wanting to really dig into a lot of these issues and also trying to not not offend people and like mm-hmm. make them turn away from my podcast, mm-hmm. but like trying to figure out how to walk that line of educating and like speaking my piece, but in a way that's not threatening for other people that doesn't mm-hmm. make them like shut down immediately mm-hmm. oh it's very tough it's I, very tough and I'm not very good at it <laughs> yeah I'm I'm actually working on this because in real life I feel like when the George Floyd thing happened um, I actually shut down a little bit on social media because I t- I feel that I talk about inequality and injustice kind of all the time mm-hmm. and, but and I saw all of this happening on social media and I just I, it, it was so overwhelming to me that mm-hmm. I just kind of needed a little break. It wasn't like I was posting about other things. I wasn't post- posting about anything. Right. I just felt very right. in my feelings. And part of that was because in real life, I live in the Bay Area. So we're, we're liberal, right? Mm-hmm. But on my street and where I live, it's a lot of conservative people. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of conservative people with high school and college kids that are liberal. And so mm-hmm. I'm friends with the I'm kind of in that middle age group where I'm mm-hmm. friends with their parents and kind of cool with the kids too. And yeah. So I was doing a lot of work actually in my real life and my real community and mm-hmm. trying to not turn people completely away right. and have them listen, which is so mm-hmm. hard to do because you mm-hmm. just, everything inside you wants to be like, that's just so wrong. Like, you know? why do you not get this? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's really, it's really tough, but 
to come from a really loving kind of um, minimal way of, mm-hmm. of, of altering some of their thoughts in order to make a bigger change as, you know, as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did a lot of that work here in my community. And I feel like that, that has helped me mm-hmm. try, try to talk, you know, on social media about kind of, I'm not going to say yeah. both sides of things, but definitely come from a place where can you kind of see where I'm coming from? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of credit for that and for like honoring that space and being like, hey, I just need to kind of focus yeah. on like one thing. And I think so many people focus on the social media aspect and can like say something or post something, but they aren't truly living it and like acting it out in their everyday life. And also you're in a little bit of an echo chamber, right? Cause you're mm-hmm. going to follow, the, you're going to have people who follow you um, or, or that you follow that all kind of think the same way mm-hmm. you do. Um, yeah. If you go out into your community, you will find there's a lot of people with different views than you mm-hmm. or a lot of people that are just simply uneducated and don't understand what's going on. Right. Me and my, me and my husband are sort of, we're in a weird place in the Bay area where we're like the only Brown family on the street. So Mm. for a lot of people, they just haven't, they haven't seen a lot of people like that look like us or that are facing certain things that are, you know, that, that are going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of people that want to live in their little bubbles and it's, 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 it's not acceptable anymore. Yeah, no, and it's not it's acceptable. Not acceptable. You just can't. You can't live yeah. in your bubble anymore. There's too yeah. much going on in the world in this, you know, in 2020 that mm-hmm. even if you want to try to be in a bubble, you really can't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I know that bubble feels safe and warm, but like you got you got to face these things that are happening in the world and you yeah. have to ask yourself why do they affect you in a certain way? Absolutely you know, and then start doing that like self-work and like growth and like checking yourself in these things. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. That was a beautiful tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to say tangent because I took it like at just a really beautiful turn, but I'm also curious with, within your practice, do you, do you have other male orthopedic surgeons in your practice or are you trying to like keep more females in your office? That's a great question. So I, uh, I, 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 just like you said earlier, I like men, so I'm not some mm-hmm. man hater. Right. But I, I, I only started my practice because I wanted to be solo, like by mm-hmm. myself, and and part of that means being really small. Mm-hmm. So the way that I'm able to achieve having my own practice and like having this kind of flexibility where I can start and stop whenever I want during the day is, I just keep my overhead and my all, all everything in my office really lean and low. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit of a boutique concierge orthopedic surgeon in some mm-hmm. ways where I have, you know, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm small space and not a lot of employees, not a lot of costs. So I couldn't even hire somebody if I wanted to into my practice um, because gotcha. it's, it, I really am just like a mom and pop shop, one man show or one woman show. <laughs> but I do share a building with two other orthopedic surgeon men um, mm-hmm. and they have their own practices. They're lovely. I I really like them a lot. I feel very Mm -hmm. supported by them. That's awesome. And yeah, and um, there's zero competition between us. So I really have found this sweet spot of being on my own, but also having some colleagues nearby that we can kind of run things by each other and just support each other. If someone, 
you know, it is going on a vacation, we can take calls for each other. And so we can kind of support each other. Yeah. Cause I think, um, like medicine has really shifted into big box medicine where you work Mm -hmm. for like a big system or a big Mm -hmm. practice. And I think part of that is because, I mean, I think everyone cares about their lifestyle these days. So like people don't want to be on call all the time for their Mm -hmm. patients. Um, and so I think that's a detractor for private or like being in solo practice like myself, Mm -hmm. but, um, I have found my team of people and we just cover for each other. And so it works for us. That's awesome. Thanks. So you don't do surgeries inside that office. You're partnered with like a hospital that you. Yeah. So, um, my office is right across the street from a hospital. Um, and so I do like my joint surgeries there, my total hip replacements, total knee replacements. Mm -hmm. And then I work out of a few surgery centers. Those Mm -hmm. are all just outpatient. And that's where I do like knee scopes, shoulder scopes, carpal tunnels, um, Mm -hmm. my small, my quote unquote, smaller surgeries. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating to me that like, there's just so many different areas to, to practice. And like you, like, I, I would feel like my brain would be spinning being like, okay, I have to be in the OR here. I have this tiny little clinic for the day here. Yeah. And then like my home office here. <laughs> oh, it's nuts. Uh, when I yeah. started, I, cause I'd worked for big bucks medicine where I, mm-hmm. you know, where I'd gotten pushed out of my job essentially. And the, I think the biggest fear I had was not being on my own and doing, you know, being kind of, not that you don't do surgery on your own when you're part of those big systems, but like mm-hmm. having no one around you, like you are the person. Right. Um, but the biggest fear to me was like what you're talking about, managing my schedule and being like, wait, mm-hmm. so how does this work? Do I just go to a hospital or a surgery center and tell them I want to work there? Like yeah. what goes, what goes into actually starting your own practice? Mm-hmm. And like, I knew nothing about insurances and so it was a um, steep learning curve that is, yeah. there is no, there is no course on this. There's no books and every specialty is different. Like if you're a dermatologist, your practice is going to look super different. Mm-hmm. So took a little bit of time. My husband helped me a lot. I mean, he, he set up a lot for me and I tell people this story. When I started, I literally had a very tiny room that I was renting from a chiropractor with no sink in the room. It didn't even occur to me that, oh, I should need to wash my hands. And (laughs) my um, husband was, he set up a Google phone number. He was setting up my appointments and he is a sweet man. Yeah, very sweet. And he also speaks Spanish really well. And so he would be my interpreter. um, And everything, everything was done online. I had no medical assistant. I had nobody. I just, mm-hmm. you open the door as a patient and you saw me in my little room yeah. in this chiropractor's office. Mm-hmm. And so my husband was between spine surgeries, answering this Google phone and being like, Dr. Maida's office, Dr. Maida's office, what can I help you with? And it was quite hilarious. I, I, I think, love a supportive yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's awesome. And not only that, like we have, you know, three kids and he is, he does all the cooking and, you know, he, does a lot of the stuff with the kids in terms of drop-offs and pickups and all of that. But mm-hmm. he has 100% supported me in this private practice thing. Cause I, I was not a business person. I was just like, I'm one of those worker bees that just goes to work and works and comes home and enjoys life. And yeah. he was like, no, we can, he, you know, I wasn't entrepreneurial at all. And he was like, we can do this. And so I was like, okay, well you have to figure all that part of it out. And so he did, he set it up for me. And then obviously now it's been years and I have like a real office space with sinks and real office staff to greet my patients. But at the beginning, it was just me and him and he was doing it between surgeries. And 
we finally came to a head when he scheduled a patient at 3 p.m. And I called and sort of bitched him out. And I was like, who do you think is going to pick up the kids? And he's like, okay, this isn't going to work anymore. I can't be your, your virtual assistant. You've got to find somebody else, girl. Oh, God, I love it. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I, I'm just curious. How did you guys meet? Did you guys meet in med school then? or No, we, we met in college. We were I was 18, he was 19, and we had a tumultuous on and off kind of relationship for years and years. And a lot of it was because we were immature, but some of it is because in medicine, in all healthcare, mm-hmm. you're always going to that next school of school or residency or training or, yeah. um, and so we were always in different places. And so we reconnected a, a lot later. I, I was finishing up residency and he was doing his fellowship in New York. And then once we reconnected, everything happened quickly. We got engaged, married and had kids all within a couple of years. And so when I actually wow. go back to like my alumni meetings in residency, people mm-hmm. are so surprised. They're like, you were the single one in, in residency. Like, how did you, how do you have three kids already? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. When I do like, things, I do them fast. <laughs> And I balance everything because I'm a strong, tough woman. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Who can handle machinery and <laughs> do orthopedic surgeries? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're all just surprised because they're like, "You were like the single partier in in residency. What happened here?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can totally. I don't want to say I totally feel that, but <laughs> I just. Your reels and everything are so good. Oh, like, thank I, you. I, you're, you're, you're so much more hipper than I am when it comes to like these TikToks and reels. Like I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> I, I think I've got reels down, but like TikTok is a, is a complete mystery to me. I can't figure yeah. it out. It took me months on that app because I was like, so I'm like not technologically advanced at all. All my mm-hmm. friends would tell you that like, I don't even like, I'm like, where am I supposed to swipe? Like, how am I supposed to pause this? Like, I don't know how to edit it, but, um, it's been, it, you know what? I will tell you that both TikTok and reels have been a nice levity in the seriousness Mm -hmm. of 2020. And, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people who look at my reels, they're like, you all, you seem so serious in your, in your Instagram posts. Like, where is this coming from? And I'm like, well, I, I definitely have a serious side to me. And I think for me, social media is really important to kind of put out real issues. And so mm-hmm. I like to write about those real issues, but right. reels is just my jam right now because I, I like to just be funny and, you know, just make fun of things, I guess. Well, and that goes back to just don't put me in a box. Like, yeah, like, yeah I can be very serious on Instagram and speak to serious issues, but I'm not a robot. Like I, yeah. <laughs> like I can have fun. And yeah. I want you to see this other side of my personality. And honestly, I'm like, man, if I ever need my hips or knees done, I'm going to come to you because <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good you're to hear. so relatable and awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad you don't just think I'm a crazy person. So that's good. <laughs> no, not at all. Like I, I'm very envious of your skills. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. We, um, so I don't know if you, I mean, I know, you know, Natalie Crawford and, mm-hmm. um, Danielle Jones, Mama Dr. Jones, and Rupa Wong. We the four mm-hmm. of us started Pinnacle, which was a conference we held in 2019 in December, and it all awesome. just happened through Instagram. And 150 women in medicine came. We had like 10 Wild. speakers. We did a social media workshop, but most of the day was more on kind of things that you're really passionate about, like mm-hmm. empowering women to have a seat at the table and bringing mm-hmm. other women up. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and these girls are so well-spoken. Okay. Natalie and Danielle and Rupa. I can't speak in public. So like, I just majorly look up to. (laughs) Oh, no, thank you. Well, I was just up there making jokes about myself because these girls are so well-spoken and so Mm -hmm. like put together. And we were talking about our avatars in social media, just kind of who you speak to. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I speak to the single woman that's like, uh, you know, like having wine at night and can't get out of bed without her cup of coffee and kind of looks homeless half the time. Like uh, that's, that's my avatar. Yeah, exactly. Raise your <laughs> hand here. Yeah. And, and Natalie kind of looked at me just like, damn, we are recording this. I'm like, yeah, but that's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm relatable as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> yeah. that's all there is to say on that one (laughs) yeah I get well we are almost at the end of our time but uh what advice do you have for women pursuing a career in orthopedics so I would say that you have the power to design the life that you want so don't worry about people telling you like you can't have a family or you have to work this many hours and do this many cases to be a good or an amazing surgeon you can absolutely design the life that you want and yes a lot of hard work comes at the beginning of it to train to be a surgeon or an orthopedic surgeon or any female um in you know high-powered fields um or male-dominated fields but really you can at a point, make it so that you have good work-life fit or balance, um, mm-hmm. and you can have children. And you, you, a lot of that comes from having a supportive partner, whoever that may be, and someone who aligns with your beliefs and values. But you can have the life that you want, and you don't have to. You can think outside the box. Of, you know, maybe you want to start your own practice and work a certain amount of hours, or maybe you want to join a group and work part time, or you, you know, maybe you want to work full-time and you want to be super hardcore and you also want to have children. These things are all possible. You just have to sit down and figure out where your priorities are, what's important to you. Um, and you do have to put in a lot of the work at the beginning, um, but it will pay off and you got to do what you love. So don't shy away from doing what you love just because you think you can't do it. I love that. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> This has been such a refreshing episode. I, I'm obsessed with you. Oh, well, thank you, Danielle. You're so sweet. And I just, I love what you're doing. And I love how passionate you are about the things going on these days. And that, you know, you don't shy away or get scared from people that, you know, may not align with your beliefs. And I just, I find that to be so important. And I will tell you what I've told Natalie Crawford many times is you as a white woman have the loudest, biggest voice. And you have to do a lot of the work that I might be doing, but it's going mm-hmm. to be seen and heard more from you. And so you have a huge responsibility and I'm so proud that you're doing it already, but please continue to do it. It is so incredibly important. I, I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely scared. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I will say that like it's. That's normal. That's yeah. normal. Cause you're it's out of your scary. comfort zone. Yeah. And, but like, I know that like, I know the privilege that I have. And like you said, like my voice is so important. Yeah. And it, and it's going to be louder at this point. And people but will listen to you. 
You could say the same thing that, but you know, it's it's fine. They can yell. I'm just not going to look at those comments. But oftentimes (laughs) they're yelling at you because they're like, wait, one of quote unquote us is saying this and it upsets Mm -hmm. them because then they have to really look inside themselves. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's not easy work. It's not easy to admit to yourself that like, yeah, I have some inherent like racism that has been, you know, taught or absorbed, like just like ingrained in you. Ingrained in you. Yeah. And, but like taking the time to like sit with that and like think on that and work on unlearning that is, is so important. (laughs) And just, and calling out these injustices when you see them. Yes. So important. It, we can't sit back anymore. None of us can. Everybody has their their role in this. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I'm just. I really genuinely want you know. I'm so proud of you that you're doing that because it's it is hard. It's not easy. It's so easy to just like you said, be in your warm bubble, mm-hmm. and just not worry about any of these things. But that's not going to do anyone else any good. And people will hear you and listen to you. Your voice is so powerful. Thank you, Pam. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. You're welcome. You're I wish welcome. we could hug right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pam, where can people find you if they if they don't follow you already? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at dr.pamlameta and I'm also over at TikTok, same handle. Um, I have a website for my practice, which is resilienceorthopedics.com. Um, and feel free if you are, you know, in medicine, a woman, anybody that's kind of, you know, confused about some of this work-life stuff, um, mm-hmm. DM me, mess, you know, get a hold of me. I'm happy to be there for you. I love that. Women supporting women. Yes, absolutely. All right, Pam, thank you so much for making the time to come on. Yeah, here thank with you me. for having me. I really appreciate it. I have to give another big thank you to Dr. Meta for joining me on the WOMED. I hope any woman on the surgery track right now seriously considers orthopedic surgery. We need more boss-ass women at the table. Again, make sure to follow Dr. Meta on Instagram at Meta. That's M-E-H-T-A. Y'all know where to find me at the WOMED and keep sharing the episodes. I see y'all posting in your WOMED gear too, and that honestly just makes my heart sore. I know that's cheesy to say, but it's so true. Make sure to tag the WOMED and myself at DM Mulpy in your WOMED gear, and I'll repost y'all. I love you guys. Till next week, WOMED out. Ooh.